This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, host of Kicking Back, and I'm excited to bring you this latest episode with Heather O'Reilly Heyo, as many of you know her. She's got Olympic gold medals, World Cup title, many professional championships. She's got trophies galore, but what I'm excited about with this chat, and I hope you come away with, is a sense of understanding of Heather O'Reilly, the person. And we talk a lot about that. Her life has changed a lot since retiring a couple years ago. She's a new mom, she's a coach. She's a TV broadcaster. She's a coffee shop owner. She's a spreader of kindness. We talk about all these things and I think get some really cool introspective uh, perspective from her straight from her mouth. So really excited to bring you this. Go ahead and please subscribe if you don't already. You won't miss a thing. We have stories like this. And our goal here is great storytelling coming to you. So if you rate and review this podcast, it helps other people find this storytelling and access it just like you. So with that, this is the latest episode of Kicking Back. Here on the latest episode of Kicking Back with a guest who could be introduced many different ways as a a legend on many fronts. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and, and we'll see... What are you picking out from the career? How how do you want to be introduced, (laughs) Heather O'Reilly? Yeah, I I think you're right, Jeff. I can be um, introduced many different ways, especially if you ask my husband or my mom and dad or like (laughs) some of my high school friends. I'm sure that they'll have many descriptions that maybe the world would be interested in. But um, yeah, so I'm happy to be here, Jeff. I'm Heather O'Reilly. I don't know. Geez, this is hard. But uh, World (laughs) World Cup winner, Olympic winner. Uh, former professional player, recently retired um, professional player, and now coach at the University of North Carolina, and uh, broadcaster with uh, various outlets. So, uh, yeah, involved in in the game <laughs> in many different levels, in men's and women's, and uh, and now mom, and uh, yeah, just just all around uh, joy bringer. I would say if yeah. I can if I if I can call myself a joy bringer. <laughs> um, and get away with it without getting made fun of by too many people. Um, I've really succeeded in life. All around joy bringer. I like that. I I would not have been able to pull that out for the the intro. Just I mean I would have from knowing you, but not uh, <laughs> the, the resume is uh, you know not one that's going to fit on one page as as they sometimes try to tell you to do. So um, well, I think I stole that. I was saying from Foudy's playbook. I, I heard her do that, making guests introduce themselves. So it's better that way. But I'm curious what. How would um, high school Heather be described by <laughs> friends? Oh, man. Uh, I went through a few phases, but there was like, there was a, there was a little bit of like naughty. I didn't get in big trouble, but there was like a skinny dipping phase, skinny dipping <laughs> Heather. There was, uh, yeah, all 
all biz, like all, um, you know, soccer, all business weekends, all play kind of Heather. <laughs> um, so I went to Catholic school growing up K through eight. So then when I got to big, bad public high school, I, uh, I let my hair down a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think my high school friends would have some funny, funny stories, but, um, I kept, I, I kept it pretty much in range, but you know, when you're a teenager, you do some dumb things. So, uh, my, my, my childhood friends could, uh, could give you some more dirt, but, okay. um, yeah, you know, you're never as shiny as your, um, your public persona is demonstrates sometimes, you know, so that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it at that. Um, uh, well, by, I mean, by the end of high school, you were in, in the national team. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. it couldn't have yeah, been. I, I, yeah, it couldn't have been that bad. You're right. I, I I got my head on straight by my junior year, which was good because then I was called into the full national team. Yeah. Well, I want to, you know, obviously the, there's a ton to talk about on that front, but you know, one of the the many things on the resume you mentioned, new mom, how's it, uh, how's it been if, you know, several months in now? Yeah, it's great. Thanks for asking. Uh, Will just turned five months yesterday. Um, so what a cool new challenge. I mean, um, you know, when you've been doing this, this thing for so long of your life, being a professional player, um, you really do need to be like pretty selfish, pretty, you know, you know, you certainly have some relationships in your life. And I, and I've been lucky to, um, to have Dave, my husband in my life for over a decade now, um, you know, married, I think eight years, geez, I should probably know that. But, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like in terms of uh, your, your play comes before a lot of things and it's just a decision that you have to make being a professional athlete in terms of you know I missed a lot of family holidays I missed a lot of weddings I uh, I always put my football first like in terms of my commitments and where my priorities were um, and then when you have a, a child like it, you think of yourself less and um, and it's a beautiful thing it's a good thing it's a healthy um, development, I think, in, in anybody's um, human uh, trajectory to, to be able to uh, care for something else when, you know, they certainly can't care for themselves. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it just, um, yeah, expanding, I guess, my heart. My heart feels like it's grown like 10, 10 sizes. And I know, Jeff, you can uh, probably add into your, you know, your own your own uh, experiences as well as a new dad. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, he's still such an early phase, that, <clears throat> excuse me, early phase that it's like, oh, he smiled. Oh my gosh, he giggled. Oh my gosh, he like, he rolled over. So, you know, it's very, very small things so far, but, um, but how, you know, it's so much fun. I'm not, I'm not too much of a morning person generally in my, in my life. Um, but it, well, one, that's, you're forced to change a little bit when you're a parent, but also, uh, I want to get up in the morning. I want to see him. I want to play with him. I want to see that smile. Like, um, so for the first time in my life, I'm like springing out of bed in the morning. Um, and that I think, um, demonstrates just how, how cool it's been. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a blast, but I also have so much so much love and respect for the the women that have been able to come back and have babies um, because well one childbirth is it's pretty crazy like it is it is something and I have all the 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 admiration in the world for for women 
um, and for moms and for particularly uh, moms that have come back and, and been professional athletes because, uh, yeah, it takes a toll on your body and, and emotionally and mentally. Um, it, it's fatiguing. So um, the, the fact that I've had so many friends and colleagues that I've seen do it, um, I think I just have even even more respect and admiration for what they've been able to do. Um, for, for me in my career, like I never really wanted to mix the two because I just, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm such an extreme person that I knew I would have trouble, uh, mixing, I think being a mom and being the professional athlete that I was capable of being. So for me, it wasn't, um, in my plans to sort of mix the two. Um, but I have a lot of, uh, respect for, for those that did and, uh, yeah, it's been a fun new um, step in my in my life. Yeah, increased joy bringing, I'm sure. Yeah, so exactly, uh, exactly. Um, it's like, like I said, I, it's made my heart grow. So now I can uh, find find more joy to yeah. to spread. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the uh, and it's actually I guess funny timing with us talking about it. The FIFA this week was announced some increased um, minimum standards that they're trying to enforce for maternity leave for players that are, that are coming back and protecting contracts. So, uh, which is, is good to see. Um, yeah. I say, I say baby steps, uh, <laughs> pun, pun, pun intended. Um, you know, it, it is, it is great to see FIFA um, using their influence, I think to like, um, be a, a role model, I think, for women around the world, you know, not just in the US, not just in England, but, um, you know, setting a, a minimum standard like this um, can really make a difference in, in a lot of countries and, and for a lot of a lot of players. So, um, you know, I, I think it was a it was a good step, I, I hope. And uh, I guess the cynic in me kind of uh, you know, wonders like, okay, well, what were these salaries <laughs> to start with, um, that they're being protected. Um, but I, you know, I shouldn't be so, so negative and, and assume, assume the worst, but, uh, you know, we hope to also increase, increase these salaries and these, um, these playing standards, et cetera. And, uh, not just kind of check a box that we're, uh, that we're doing these sort of things for women. So, yeah. um, you know, like I said, baby step and um, it should be applauded um, and should be continued to grow upon. Yeah. And I, I hear you too on, on exciting times. I think uh, Declan's just over three months and we had our, he had a laughing fit in the tub last night, which was nice. the first, uh, it was like, it was like extended and it was clearly cause I was the funny one. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, nice. Yeah, they love the tub. Tub, tub time's fun. Tub yeah. time's fun. There's a lot of splashing going on, and oh, uh, you'll enjoy that. Haven't haven't gotten to that yet, but uh, well, maybe the big question you probably get this a lot. Like, what do you? I saw you had an Instagram post with a, with some. Well, you got a few of them with soccer balls. Obviously, I mean, are you you kind of trying to let them discover it naturally. Is it, <laughs> is it something you introduce? Uh, um, well, you know, <laughs> naturally, but. Um, not so naturally, you know, naturally it's a loaded question because listen, if you got soccer balls in the room and in the crib and maybe he naturally goes over to the ball, then, uh, I don't know, maybe that's on them to discover, but, um, I will definitely, um, hope that he gets into soccer. I will give him, um, all the resource that he needs to get into it, but clearly, um, 
you know, you have to at least pretend as a parent that it's their idea um, because then, <laughs> then kids will try to rebel and then not get involved with it at all, which would be super sad. But I, I hope that he loves soccer. Clearly it's brought so much joy to my life. And um, my husband was a lacrosse player at the University of North Carolina and also grew up playing ice hockey. So uh, there's a couple of sports that we very much hope that he leans into. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be too pressuring. Uh, you don't <laughs> want it to, you don't want, you surely don't want it to backfire. Right. So, uh, right. but, uh, listen, if he was a, if he's a left footed, um, outside defender, um, and love soccer, I'll be very happy. <laughs> I'll be very happy because then mommy can, uh, retire and not work and, uh, and he'll be, <laughs> He'll be uh, he'll be doing okay, I think. There you go. You can uh, show him some pictures. Of, like, look, you had a soccer ball at three months old, so it was meant yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I know you know you, you're taking on you know a lot of different things now post playing career. Um, the most you know immediate one I know um, a tough result in the ACC championship for for UNC, but um, assistant coach with North Carolina, your alma mater. Um, what you know. What have you? What has that been like for you? What's this period been like? I mean, it's such a weird year too that there's not a lot of soccer being played, not a lot of college soccer being played. Just what's it been like? I guess getting first, like getting used to the coaching side, but also just has it been weird being on a field in a team environment with the way the world has been operating? Yeah, I think it's it's it's, it's been a totally bizarre year. I think for everybody everywhere. Um, and then you know, from my perspective, this is a this is a time of transition in my life as well like one becoming a, a mom and and you know um and two you know moving on from my playing career which was in in truth like quite hard for me I think from like a mental emotional standpoint just it was just something that I did for so long and it was like as as much as I want to say I had a lot of other things going on and like um felt like I was holistically prepared to um, to move on from my playing career. I mean, for so many athletes, it's, it's really difficult to, to make that shift and to pivot. Um, and so I thought like, you know, this would be a kind of a wacky year anyways. Uh, and, um, and then add sort of, uh, COVID into the whole thing, which, you know what, I think, you know, as everybody sort of, um, reflecting and trying to pull silver linings, there was so much silver lining for me for, um, you know, even though it's, it was a terrible pandemic, but I think that it, um, it really allowed me like a true reset, especially, you know, in a time of my life where I was, um, where I was allowed to really have a reset, um, just in terms of like, not feeling like I need to be so busy, not feeling like I need to be traveling to feel like I'm important or fulfilled and, um, I think that it forced me to really kind of slow down a little bit, which was great during pregnancy. And then now since having Will, I think it was a great thing for my family and, and, and for, you know, my marriage and for uh, welcoming this new little one into the world. So um, I think, you know, I'll look back on this, uh, this year as being tough, but one that there was so many wonderful things to, to draw from. Um, and then, yeah. And then the other aspect is just like a career shift in terms of, um, spending some time in, in the coaching field. So, so at, at this point I, I've, you know, done some broadcast work and I've done some coaching and I feel like, um, even a couple of years ago, I really 
had to encourage myself to um, to just be open to try new things and to um, not feel as if I need to dive into uh, my next career right away because, um, you know, like I said earlier in the program, I mean, as an athlete, you're so intense for so long on this like singular thing. You don't really get a chance to do some experimenting, I guess, um, like a lot of, you know, young people get to do different jobs, different internships. Um, you know, we definitely have like a robust um, experience traveling the world and, and all these things. But in terms of um, using skills in, in different industries, maybe that's something that as athletes, you don't get as much. So um, I'm trying to still kind of like allow myself to explore. Um, that being said, I really loved my time with UNC. I've been with them for a little over a year now in assistant role capacity, um, which was like a perfect fit for me during this transition and, and during this year that I've had because I live right down the street from the University of North Carolina. I love UNC um, and who better to learn from than Anson Dorrance. And to be honest, Damon Nahas is, is the other assistant and he's fantastic. And so I feel like I have a really good, um, uh, I have really good mentors to, to at least show me the, the coaching profession and uh, and what it takes and, and what it takes at the NCAA level, because, you know, clearly we, we know that there's a difference in coaching young uh, youth athletes and, and coaching professional athletes. And then um, the college um, sports scene is like a whole different beast amongst itself. So I feel like I'm, I'm sort of feeling out those different age groups and uh, allowing me a little bit of space to, to see what I enjoy the most. But um, I love football. I love lacing up the boots. I love being on the practice field, although it's hard for me to like not be a player anymore because, you know, I, I love playing the game. Um, I would rather be on the field than not. Um, I would rather be, you know, at practice than not. I'd rather be part of a team environment, um, which UNC is. Uh, than not. And, and if I was able to help the team to a, a fantastic season, I mean, disappointing that we lost in the final and it, it was, um, you know, not our best performance. Florida State played exceptional. Um, you know, we were 11 and 0 going into that game, had a lot of growth throughout the last couple of months. Um, and, and yeah, clearly disappointing to not win a final, but um, so much to be proud of for the season. And I think you know, it provided so much normalcy for myself um, in, a, in a very bizarre time. You know, every day at three o'clock, we're on the practice field and uh, doing what we love and around people that we care about at a place that we, uh, that we you know, love and, and care about as well at the, at the university. So I think soccer provides that, like, um, stability, I think, for a lot of the players and the staff. Um, so we were happy and, and proud of the team for staying healthy. And, you know, I, for, you know, for young people, 18, 19, 20 years old, like it is a lot to ask to, to wear the masks, to not be around other people when they're finally like independent uh, away from their families. And I was uh, incredibly impressed with the, the maturity that our players had. They basically had to decide, you know, what's more important to us, like having social lives and, and being around, um, you know, people outside the team, or do we put our training first? Do we put the health of our 
staff first um, and do we want to play an ACC season and they decided that they wanted to play an ACC season so um, really thankful that the team bought into that idea and we we got through the season with uh, with nobody testing positive and so there was so many uh, positive things to, to, to come out of it and and I certainly learned um, it's it is humbling I think because as a player you you think that you understand all that goes into a team um, and team success, but now being on the other side of it, um, there's just like so much to do as a coach, um, you know, from the recruiting aspect to, uh, the practice planning to game management. Um, and then also of course, you know, a big part of, of what Anson Dorrance is all about at UNC is character development. It's a huge part of, of, of what he does at UNC and, and something that I don't think that people appreciate about Anson. I think that, you know, you think about ruthlessness and competitiveness and the competition at training, but um, the, the, the human development is a huge piece. So there's a lot of things. There's always something to do. Uh, there's always something to improve on, even at a program like UNC that's very established already. I think it's a constant um, project of improvement and doing things uh, differently and better uh, while preserving what's what's worked so far. So a uh, long-winded answer to say that uh, uh, I've enjoyed it and uh, it provided a, a well-needed sense of, of normalcy during this time in my life and during this time of our world, I suppose. How different is it being co-worker for Anson Dorrance rather than <laughs> player or you know, ex-player, I guess, when he was probably calling you about national team games or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it, it's fantastic. I think, um, you know, Anson's been in my life in one way or another for probably the last 20 years. And in the beginning of those 20 years, he was this uh, untouchable figure. I remember my first time calling Anson um, was probably, you know, middle through high school. Uh, when I was being recruited there and it was at that point where I had to contact them they couldn't contact me and um, I remember like you know this is like old school phone but I was calling on my parents phone and I had like one more button to press to call him and I chickened out and I was like I couldn't do it I was just like so nervous because <laughs> he was just this this guy this very like much like godfather figure for women's women's football you know world cup winning coach like one at that point, probably let's just call it 20 national championships. Um, and so I, I just like revered him. And so I got, I, I of course got the guts to finally press that final digit uh, and, and get a hold of him. And, and then throughout my career, he was again, like he was my coach, but um, also like this, this, this figure. Um, and then there was a patch uh, when I graduated that he really kind of became like a warmer figure to me, like in terms of sending text messages to all of us, you know, after national team games and just um, less as a, less as a coach and more of uh, a father figure, I guess you can say in the way that he, he cared about his former players and how they were doing. Um, and now to like take another step in our relationship to have him as a colleague, um, it's, it's a lot of fun because I think that you learn that people are human, that, you know, he's not perfect. He wouldn't claim to be. Um, things have worked for him through the years, but he's always willing to grow and listen and learn um, and add layers to himself. So I feel um, happy if I'm able to, you know, enrich his, his, his coaching vision 
um, just with like what I've, what I've learned. Um, but I've also learned that Anson Dorrance is, he's a genius. He's a coaching genius in the way that he is able to motivate in particular in the way that he, um, he manages his players and gets the most out of them is, um, it's incredible. I mean, his record speaks for itself in that regard. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. I feel like I definitely need to do a better job just like taking notes, having a notebook around because, uh, at some point Anson, you know, who knows, I have no idea when he will want to step away from, from coaching. He's done it for like 43 years, but I want to make sure that I soak up every last word and, and every last, um, comment and hilarious story that he has. Um, because I think that I would be, you know, very mad at myself if I let any experience with him go. Um, he is a, a legend of the game, um, and I've enjoyed it immensely. So do I take it that you try to jump in on some sessions too, some fitness or something? Or? <laughs> oh, you know it. You know it. I think, <laughs> well, actually last year I played when I was pregnant until about like five months pregnant. And the girls were just like, oh my gosh, like we run into you. Like this is crazy. But I, I, I played about until I was about five months pregnant. And then I took some time off clearly. And, uh, and then, yeah, now I'm jumping in. I'm pretty fit again, Jeff. I'll say that I'm pretty fit again. I'm pretty sharp. Um, I usually, yeah, I usually feel, I bring my boots to every session just in case, um, somebody drops out or like somebody, you know, the, the numbers are uneven. So they always know that they can throw me in there. Um, and I, I try to warm up with the team. So I'm like ready to go like if needed. And then I don't like pop a hamstring, like, you know, I am getting a little bit older now, so I, I can't uh, treat my body the way that I treated it when I was like 21. But um, yeah, I, I still play. I think that like leading by example is still one of the best things that you can do. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's value in the players seeing me and, 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 and hearing me actually on the pitch in the, in the, the games. Um, I think that that's, that there, there's still a lot of valuable knowledge that I can give and, and let's be, let's be real. It's a lot of it's for myself as well. So I can just, uh, get a run around, feel some joy and you know, it, it, it's fun. So I yeah. think it's a win-win for everybody in the end. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to talk about your playing career a little bit and, and I know, you know, that could take hours. So I, you know, wanted to just try to hit a couple of, of bigger things. Um, I'm wondering, so we had you introduce yourself, I guess, 231 caps for the U.S., which is a heck of a lot. Um, the, the Olympic gold medals, World Cup title, um, pro titles in different leagues and, and with different teams, even in, in one of those leagues. Um, I, I guess, you know, I like to ask this, and it is a little bit general, but is there a place that your head goes, a specific moment, team, um, time of your career when you kind of have time to reflect on all those different things? Is there something that stands out in, in this sea of accomplishment? Oh, as, as it stands out as a good time or a bad time? Well, we could say both, but I, you know, I was thinking good. <laughs> okay. So what you like associate with yourself, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, um, well, well, like you said, I think the 231 caps, I think when I kind of, think back on my career a lot of it is u.s team centric um I, i'm certainly proud of my you know my club accomplishments and, and being part of different leagues and uh winning titles uh in my time over playing in england i'm proud of as well but i think when i think about my career I, it's definitely very u.s team centric 
Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I'm most proud of my longevity on the U.S. team, over 200 games playing for your country. I think um, with some distance from my, my time with my US, uh, international career, because I think that you need distance in order to, to see things a little bit more clearly um and, and sometimes you just need time i mean i that, that's an incredible accomplishment and 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 just like the fact that i um some of these young kids now are like saying they're like i cannot believe you played with mia ham or like brandy chastain like that's that's like insane to them um just because they you know they think well what it was like a long time ago which it was but um i think that i'm super proud of being that connector of of that sort of generation of players and into present day leaders of the team uh clearly you know the alex morgans even you know the fact that i played with mia ham and then i played with mallory Pugh, i think like blows a lot of people's minds so i think that that's kind of what i think about when i think of my career um and 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 to be candid i definitely um think about um wearing number nine for the u.s team that's definitely something that's really special to me um, because i grew up just idolizing mia ham and uh she was such a big part of my like early inspiration and love of the game and so i think to like be able to wear that number for a long time and um and win some things with the u.s team wearing number nine was was certainly very special to me um so yeah i think that that's uh maybe not specific but i think one of my my most favorite plays that i've i've ever been part of i was very proud of our um our olympic wins in 2008 and 2012 um maybe played a more influential role uh, in terms of minutes played in 2008 but um that win was really special because without abby wambach i think that it was a real team victory and uh, something that we look back on really fondly as a group um, that we were able to kind of all contribute in different ways and and win the gold medal. Um, and then in 2012 specifically, I think uh, my cross to Alex Morgan against Canada kind of stands out as, as a moment that I'm super proud of um, because, um, you know, crossing became uh, an, an art of mine um, as a wing player and um i came off the bench in that game so i was uh, was like very um, proud of myself that i was able to stay calm in a very intense dramatic game and able to come in and 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 do this thing that i had been working on over and over for years and years at a very um important moment uh so yeah i, I look back at those those couple things very fondly and um yeah certainly very proud of my uh time with us team you started on that U.S. team as a teenager, I mentioned earlier, and it seems like, I mean, you mentioned um, the bridging of generation gaps that, that you kind of had with, with your career. Um, I mean, the, the team, I guess I'd ask you, do you think it's, it's a lot different now? I mean, it's certainly from like a popularity standpoint and just mainstream visibility, it, um, it had that obviously in 99, but, but just sustainably, I think, is there now. But um, you know, do you think, I'm wondering, like, is it easier or harder in a way for uh, a 17-year-old to crack a senior national team right now with the depth? I mean, do you think it's any different than when you were doing that? Uh, I definitely think that it's harder. Um, I mean, the competitor in me wants (laughs) to think that it was, like, just as hard back then. Um, But, um, 
I mean, I think that the game has just evolved so much. Like, I mean, from everything, from like, even like a sports science perspective, like, you know, we, we used to, it used to be difficult for people to like have the data. Okay. What do you need to do in order to, to play a 90 minute game at the international level? Like it used to be like a, a real mystery. And like, now it's not a mystery anymore. Like from a physical level, like what do you actually need to be able to do? Um, you know, you have all the internet, just like tons of information. And, and with that comes, um, you know, sort of like the secrets out kind of thing. Whereas like other, other countries are able to a little bit, um, on the U S I think players throughout the U S now have like a lot of transparency of like, what, what's this club team doing? What's this player doing? So it sort of levels the playing field a little bit. Um, and when you level the playing field, you get more people that are, are able participants, I think. So, um, you know, there's a lot of very talented players that have resources and knowledge now to, to be able to, you know, try to take their trade to the next level. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that it, it's, it's more difficult and the game has just grown. Like um, the level, the speed of play is faster. The sports science side, like I said, ha has increased so much. Um, I don't think that you know, you the classic way to kind of break down a player profile is you know your 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 mental, your your physical, your psychological, and your social like side, and and you cannot be lacking in one of those areas anymore. I think that uh, years past you could be so phenomenal, or in a technical side too, so phenomenal in one or two of the areas, and that would be enough. And I think that like in my career, my physical components um, and my competitive nature and my mentality um, probably carried me. And uh, because they were, they were good um, and, and far ahead of my peers. But, um, but today I don't think that that's enough. Uh, you really have to be a complete player in order to kind of crack in uh, to the senior team. So that's how I would say it's sort of different. I think uh, knowledge has, has leveled the playing field and, 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 and may cast the net um, a little bit farther around everybody. So I think that it's, it's harder to crack in now. And, um, and secondly, I think that you just need to be um, more complete. I wanted to talk quickly um, on, on the club, the pro game, um, which I'll just kind of read some of where you were and, and your accomplishments, because, um, you know, the, the list is probably too long to touch on everything, but, um, you mentioned the time at Arsenal, which I know you've, you've spoken fondly of, um, coming back to FC Kansas city and, and winning a title in, in NWSL. And, um, before all that, even the sky blue, uh, WPS, which was, you know, an adventure in, in, in its own way and in, in kind of, um, I guess, you know, hometown area team. Um, but, but, you know, I don't know if you want to add anything to those, but I was curious about the the courage stop and you know that that kind of last stop in North Carolina on the playing side because um, you mentioned post playing career of kind of figuring things out and and kind of taking some time to to decompress and slow down. I guess uh, that last year you had started going into you know trying some of those things with broadcast. You were you were part of Fox's team for the 2019 World Cup. And I remember you were training in France, you know, because you were still an active player, but you had that month with, with Fox. And then you get back and the end of that season, Merritt Mathias gets hurt and the courage 
need you to be a starting 90 minute fullback, which is, you know, kind of a, a newer thing for you at that point um, to win a championship. So I'm, I'm just curious, you know, uh, you had a lot of experiences in, in your career, but how that kind of um, stacked up, I guess, in terms of a, a challenge given those circumstances. Yeah, my time. Yeah. I mean, um, my time at the courage was, was um, a wonderful way to wrap up my career because I think that um, I overcame kind of a lot. So essentially I would say um, before I went to Arsenal, I assumed that Arsenal would be my last stop of my career. It was kind of one of these things where I had never played overseas. I never really had the guts to, to, to play overseas. Um, in that day with, with the U S teams kind of like structure, I never wanted to miss any training camps with the U S team. I thought that I needed to be like in the U S um, just to be seen and to be part of it. And I, yeah, so I never really wanted to go overseas while I was uh, an international player. And so in my head, I kind of saw like going over to Arsenal post U uh, S team as, as kind of like a cherry on top as like this last frontier this thing that I always wanted to do. And um, I assumed I would, I would end my career over there. Um, and that kind of just changed when I was there, because as much as I enjoyed it, I uh, enjoyed a new, uh, a new chapter, a new journey, a new group of people, a new way to see the game. Um, I didn't feel like I was done yet with my U.S. adventure, I suppose you can say. I didn't, I felt like I had some, some good stuff back in, in my legs and, um, and in my heart. And I think right when I was deciding to go to Arsenal, actually, the courage um, was established in North Carolina. And I lived in North Carolina. So literally, as I'm signing the paperwork, I hear rumors that, that the courage is coming back to North Carolina. And even though I was like 32 years old at that time, this was one of these like call dad moments where I like called my dad and I was just like, dad, like, should I still go to London? Like they're getting a team in North Carolina. I could live at home and live with Dave and um, that maybe this is a better fit. And he, he reassured me that I should still go. Um, and that, you know, maybe there'll be a time that like, I want to come back to North Carolina and if I still want to play that maybe it would be a good fit. And so that's what I wound up doing. Um, but, um, you know, coming back, I felt like I had a lot to, to give to the team, which was already quite stacked, uh, with talent and with results and things like that. And, um, you know, the, the last year, you know, I had early conversations with Paul Riley and, and told him like, listen, one, this is my last year. Um, you know, it was a more tearful conversation than, than just that, but, but two, I wanted to be very transparent that, uh, you know, because I'm a senior player, um, there's some things that have come up in terms of career developments that, uh, make sense for me to do. And one of them was to do, um, you know, be behind the desk at the world cup, not as a player, but on the broadcast side of things. And, you know, I think that, for any manager, that's a tough conversation to have because as, as supportive as he was with me, he also knew that, okay, well, I was going to be missing at a very critical time of the season for the team. And also like, you know, if I wasn't going to be here, there's people that are going to be here and he has to get those players ready. And so, um, you know, my place on the team was, was a, one of a reserve and, and giving what I could give to, to the group. Um, 
but then to uh, stay diligent in France, I was very proud of that. I had my French trainer that I met like on the side of the road and he put me through the circuits. Um, uh, and I stayed fit when I was over there as best as I could every morning or you know, every other morning, let's say I would get a, a very good workout before doing my TV stuff in the afternoon. And uh, it paid off because when I came back to the courage, I was, you know, not certainly not game fit, but I wasn't, um, wasn't totally rusty taking a month off. And um, I was very proud of my diligence there because an injury meant that um, I would be needed to play right back. And um, also, um, one of my sort of like fears or, or monsters or dragons in my, in my career was penalty kicks because, you know, you miss a couple penalty kicks, it plays in your head for a long time. And there was times where I had missed kicks or didn't take kicks, et cetera. And, um, and then with the courage, for some reason, all this like fear of penalty kicks just went out the window and I just, uh, I felt very poised and experienced and ready if I ever needed to take a penalty kick. And then wouldn't you know it that in the um, semifinal against the rain, we needed uh, somebody to take a penalty kick. So not only was I starting playing right back, but I was called on to take a penalty kick and was able to bury it and, and help us on to a title. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very proud that, that I proactively wrote the end of my soccer journey in a very positive way um went out with a title went out starting went out you know contributing some goals things like that um and that was really important to me i think that like i really needed that closure and and not many people get that um that send off so um i was i was really happy about that nice and and in between that uh, you were with fc kansas city obviously we had I had Vlako on, Vlako Nanovsky, a few weeks ago. He's telling me, sitting in a Buffalo Wild Wing, saying I need to go get Heyo for another another title. Um, but, but I mean, North Carolina is is really, I think, quite obviously from this chat and, and everything, just it's home for you, right? It's, it's uh, um, you know, between the Courage, UNC, and, and um, I don't know where Jersey, Jersey ranks for you versus North Carolina at the moment, but... Uh, um, well, you, you can take a girl out of Jersey, but you can't take Jersey out of a girl. I'm really <laughs> proud of my Northeast roots. Um, and I have, I mean, I have so many particularly coaches there that mean a lot to me and really kind of like shaped me. Um, I st yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like I'm a Northeasterner, like living in the South. <laughs> um, that's definitely kind of like how I, I think about it. But yeah, I was happy to be on Sky Blue in those early days and, and get that off the ground. And um uh, yeah, I mean, that, that area sort of has been a soccer hotbed for so many years for, for so many of us, Carly Lloyd and, and Tobin Heath and myself, um, all have such wonderfully fond memories of growing up playing youth soccer in New Jersey. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't want to write off New Jersey, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Chapel Hill in particular has my heart. Um, I just think that like, you know, you don't really choose where you live when you're a kid, but you choose where to live, um, for college and when you're mm -hmm. an adult and now that I can choose like this this feels like the right place for me yeah. um at least at this time in my life you can never say uh, something's forever um right. and who knows where this game will take me well I was gonna the fun fact for you which um we even had an equalizer event there um not not too long ago when people were allowed to gather you're part owner of a, a coffee shop right on the corner you know basically on campus at that point but um, yeah we were not happy a lot of people to can say it. that not a lot of people yeah. can say they own a coffee shop. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that I could say that either a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, and a very iconic restaurant in, in Chapel Hill, hundred year old restaurant was being sold and going bankrupt. And uh, a couple of us, which started like as just banter over emails, like we should save the coffee shop <laughs> actually, you know, turned into like, actually let's look into like the math here and see like if we can save it and what that would entail. And and how much effort that would <laughs> entail and time and, and things like that. And one thing led to another and a group of us uh, former um, students, alumni uh, that live in the area decided to do it. So uh, yeah, that's a, another fun little um, project that I'm working on. I don't spend too much time uh, on it nowadays now that it's kind of like running itself and uh, we have management for it, et cetera. So yeah. I'm not back there like flipping the pancakes, but. <laughs> Um, although I, I want to do that like undercover boss kind of thing and like put on a wig and like and like try to get a job there and all that just to see how how things are running when the when the, the owners aren't there. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a fun way to to contribute to this community that um, that clearly I love so much. Well, there's the TV pitch for anybody who needs a, another episode of Undercover Boss, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully we see you too soon on you know some more. Uh, some more game broadcasts. I know that's, that's another avenue that you've been um, exploring. And uh, well, maybe to, to end this, I mean, sell me on, sell me on Chapel Hill. I mean, I know you love it. What is like, somebody needs to know, what do you need to know about living in Chapel Hill? Why does somebody need to be there? <laughs> um, I think that like, as, as I've gotten older, I've just kind of found that like, you need some things in your life that provide um, centering. And for some people, it's religion. For some people, it's being their family. Um, for some reason, like I've always just loved university towns because, well, clearly I love where I went to school. But I think that like, for some people, it's just being in a certain place. And being in Chapel Hill it has that like kind of centering aspect for me. I think that like, people are competitive you know it's a it's a great school it's a um you know very challenging academic school so uh people here are are ambitious are are smart smart folks um and it's a good school for athletics as well so i think that it um it brings a lot of very well-rounded people uh together in like a pretty small radius so i think that i have like a community of friends um, that look out for each other, that are like-minded, that care about, you know, the same things. Um, and that's like working hard, being a good person or trying to be kind and, and having fun. And I think that if you can, you know, do those three things um, and do them with people that you like, that you're living a pretty good life. So uh, that's why I like Chapel Hill. And you know what? The weather's not so bad here. Um, the, the summers get pretty toasty. Um, but I don't mind it. You know, you, as an athlete, you just walk around in like dry fit clothes anyways. And, uh, I don't mind the hot weather. So, um, yeah, so that's why I like it. I think it's, a uh, like I said, you, you need some certain things that center you and give you stability. And, um, for me at this point in my life, um, location is that, and, and this is a, a sense of home. Well, Heather O'Reilly, U S national team legend, uh, new mom, broadcaster, coach, joy bringer. Uh, coffee shop owner. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you. And hopefully if, I, if I'm on again, we can add a, a couple new titles to that because, you know, you always want to grow. You always want to 
add layers. So hopefully those titles will uh, will run off the Wikipedia page. We'll have to we'll have to call <laughs> Wikipedia up that we we need more sections available. There we go. Thanks, Heather. You've been listening to Kicking Back, a podcast by The Equalizer. If you like what you heard, and we certainly hope you did, please go ahead and rate and review this pod. The more you do that, the easier it is for other people to discover this show and hear compelling stories from some of the most interesting people in women's soccer. Keep an eye out for our next episode when we kick it with our latest guest.